planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Welcome back to Rabid Noise. Joining me on the program now is Rachel Boland from Skid Row. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Good to hear from you. Yeah, well, it's awesome to have you on the show, uh, and thanks for taking the time. So I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to this tour uh, with you guys and Ugly Kid Joe, as this is going to be the first time I get to see you guys live. So what have you got in store for your fans down under on this tour? Well, uh, as you may know, we just put out, well, last year we put out the first of a, a three-part EP series uh, called United World Rebellion, Chapter 1. And so you'll be hearing some of that. You'll be hearing a lot of the, uh, you know, everything that you came to hear. We're going to try and jam as much into the show as possible. And, uh, you know, we haven't been there in years. Uh, last time we, we came through, uh, it was quite a while ago. But uh, we're we're really psyched because we just did a European tour with Ugly Kid Joe, and um, it couldn't have gone better. So we, we're uh, really excited. We're going to hit Japan and New Zealand and then uh, see you guys. Oh, man, we are really looking forward to this tour. And uh, I've got to say, your latest release that was the uh, United World Rebellion Chapter 1 was awesome, man. And we're soon to see, you said it was a three-part installment. So when can we expect Part 2, and what can we expect from that? Well, it's funny, we're, uh, all the guys are in Atlanta right now, and uh, we just finished up demos for it, and we're just uh, actually finishing up pre-production, because Monday we start, we go into the studio down here, and um, we, uh, we're we going in with Jeff Tomei, who uh, worked on our last EP. It's heavy, man, it's really heavy, and it sounds, you know, classic Skid Row, um, you got your heaviest stuff for the dudes to bang their heads too, and then stuff for the girls to bang the dudes too. <laughs> so, so, uh, it's, uh, we're really happy with all the songs and the way it's turned out. And, um, yeah, man, we can't wait. It, we're, we're expecting to release it around in some point in June. Awesome, man. Are you going to be playing some tracks off that on the tour as well? Did you say? Uh, it, it's a good possibility, yeah. Um, I'm sure I know us. We can't wait when we get new stuff. We just can't hold it in. We'll probably shove a song in there. I'm sure. Awesome, man. I can't wait to hear it. Hey, it's, uh, it sounds like it's going to be really, really awesome. So you've been in the industry for many years now and you've seen heaps of trends come and go, but you know, you've always stuck to your guns and that's something I've respected about you personally. What are your thoughts on the current rock and metal scene at the moment? Well, you know, it's funny. Bands come out, like new bands will come out, and I'll get into them for a while, but I always find myself going back and, and putting on British Steel or, you know, um, Back in Black or a Kiss record and all the stuff I grew up on. I guess that's a natural thing, but it seems, you know, there's a lot of really good bands out there, but a lot of bands that, that I've seen either 
you know, uh, have a laptop on stage that's running backup vocals or some, some sort of thing going on, which has always been a sore point with me, no matter who mm-hmm. does it. I, I think that's why I have such crazy respect for Kiss because everything that's coming off that stage is being performed at that moment. And it always has. And that's the same with us. So, I mean, it seems rock and roll has gotten a little lighter these days, but you know, if I want my dose of real heavy stuff, I'll throw in an Arch Enemy seat or something like that and, and get my fix because I love that band. And, and I mean, it's still out there. It's just you, you can't hear it on the radio anymore, at least in the States. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really hard to hear hard rock. And the scope of rock has had to widen so much because of it that it's like rock is almost crossing over with, uh, you know, adult contemporary at points. And it's, it's just very it's very strange. But uh, we're hoping um, things change soon. You know, it, it, it's. It's nice to be around as long as we have and, and to have seen trends come and trends go and, and just to kind of be a, a, be on a, a straight path to what we want to do, you know? I still see people around with Skid Row shirts. All the mainstream rock bands these days, you know, that people wear their shirts for a year or so and then it's in the covered band. But something about Skid Row is always, it will always be there. Like the classic bands like your Judas Priest and the ACDC and... Black Sabbath, and that's something, as I said, I've respected about you guys is yeah. stuck to your guns, and that's what's real, man. You guys are the real rock and roll, you know? Well, I appreciate that, man. I mean, yeah, we, uh, we take great pride in what we do. You know, we really, really do, and we, we know how fortunate we are to have a career that has spanned as long as it's been going, and it, it, it shows no sign of slowing down. I mean, we have so many festivals this summer, and and like we're coming to Australia and like I said, New Zealand, Japan, we haven't been to in 19 years and we're going back there and, you know, we're doing download and Vakin and the Polish Woodstock and, and we're going to be playing in, in front of some of the biggest crowds we've ever played in front of in our career. And to be 25 years into it and able to see that is something for me, it's something monumental because we, we accomplished so much in the past and, and, you know, it's just here's one for the old guys. <laughs> We're still going out and loving what we do, which is most important. And I think people recognize that and appreciate it. And we can't be a more more appreciative of, of the people that actually come to see us. And and it never gets old, man. Stepping on that stage and watching people sing our songs back while we're playing them, we're just like, we'll look at each other and be like, this is this happening still? This is awesome. <laughs> you know, it's great. it's good. Oh, the ultimate buzz, man. I'm sure it would be, you know, just getting up there and just feeling that energy from the crowd, you know, singing those songs would just, being from that standpoint would just be amazing. It, it really is. I mean, we did a um, a festival in Korea uh, the beginning of last year, and the crowd was really young, and I was surprised that how young the crowd was. And we were, we were watching a few bands before us, and... uh I was wondering whether they were even going to know our songs because they were teenagers, you know. Mm. And when we went out, they went absolutely crazy and knew all the songs, including the new ones. And it's a really, really good feeling, man. It's a really good feeling to be able to to transcend the generations. And I've always, I always wanted that. In the back of my mind, you know, and in my heart, when I'd see Kiss after seeing them for 20 years, I'd be like, wow, people are starting to bring their kids. You know, I see their kids on their mm-hmm. shoulders. I'm like, I-, I wonder if, you know, that will happen with us. And now that it has, I'm like, man, this is really, really awesome. And that's how, 
you know, I'm the youngest out of four kids in my family, and that's how I got turned on to, you know, Hendrix and and uh, Creedence Clearwater and all these bands that my brothers and sisters turned me on to. And, uh, you know, I didn't get to see a lot of them, but I, I was listening to the Rolling Stones, for instance. I guess I was about, I don't know, I was young, and I bought Sticky Fingers on 8-track. <laughs> 8-track <laughs> I bought Sticky Fingers and would not stop listening to it, you know. So to to have that going on for us now where older brothers and sisters are turning their siblings on to it or parents are turning their kids on to it, it it's a really good feeling just to, to have that. So you started Skid Row way back in the late 80s and where many bands have fallen away, what has kept the fire in you to keep Skid Row charging on all these years? I, I always tell people it's like wanting to be a musician doesn't get into you. It's in you. You know, you just have to catch up with it. It's in you from the day you're born. And that being said, it's just something that we love to do so much. And it's just a part of us. You know, I could never imagine. Snake and I have had this talk where we're like, you know, are we ever going to retire? Are you planning on retiring? And we both just look at each other and go, hell no. <laughs> you know, look at someone like Mick Jagger and the guys in his 70s, and he goes on like an award show and just absolutely blows away any other tainer, any any other entertainer on that was on that stage. And you watch this guy, and you're just like, it, it's unbelievable and it's so inspiring. So, uh, loving what we do, and not to sound cliche, that that's a big part of it, but also just the creative process of writing songs when you're done. I, I can't imagine, and you love it, and all the guys in the band love it. And you go out and play it, and then. Uh, the people that come to watch you love it. And I can't describe the feeling, what that that means to us, to just be able to do that. I couldn't imagine not having that, not having that whole process where a song just starts out as an idea and then it becomes something that grabs other people that you don't even know necessarily, and they're into it. I, it, I, I can't imagine going through life not doing that. I totally agree with you there. Uh, as a muso myself, it's... It's so addictive. Even just getting up there on on local shows, you know, you just feel that energy and just keeps pushing you forward. And the writing process and knowing that you've created something that you can put on a CD and it'll just be there forever, you know. And it's exactly, dude. And, and yeah, you know exactly what I'm saying. It's it like it, it comes from a stupid thought in your head, the tiniest thought. And next thing you know, it's just, okay, here it is. And, and we're recording it, we're playing it, and people are digging it. I just, I like I said, I couldn't imagine not doing that. Yeah, it's the best thing ever, man. It really is. So Absolutely. what do you think has been your proudest achievement as a musician? Uh, you know, you played so many shows over the years and released some killer albums. Like, what has been... Has there been one sort of moment that's really stuck out to you where you've just gone, this is it? Um, you know, I, uh, we keep hitting these highs and I, I keep thinking, oh man, this is, this is the peak. This is the pinnacle and something else will happen. Like, like I was saying before, we're headlining this festival in Poland and there's going to be the attendance is a half a million people and like I can't get my head around. I don't even know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to sound like from the stage. And so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, this is going to be the absolute biggest crowd we'll ever play in our careers. Whether we go for another 20 years or what, this will be the absolute biggest crowd we ever play in front of. So I'm like, when stuff like that happens, it, it 
it, you know, reboots the system. It's like, okay, here it is. And then something else happens and, and stuff like that. Like back in the day when we went number one, that was really cool on Billboard when Slaves of the Grind went number one. That was awesome. Saturday Night Live was awesome. And I, that was something I always dreamed of. I dreamed of that more than ever having a number one record, you know, and, um, we played that and it was incredible. And, and, um, then, the band broke up and we got back together and we overcame a lot of hurdles and we were able to go on tour with Kiss. And that was another dream of ours, you know, and being Kiss fans, we toured with Kiss and, and okay, it's not going to get any better than this. And then we start making new music and we'll go and play like the place in Korea. And, the, you know, we've just been playing so much since uh, year 2000, you know, we've been averaging a hundred shows a year and it's uh, it, we always seem to hit a new high every year. To be able to keep getting that that high off off your achievements, you know, it's it's just awesome. And I hope you're gonna film that show, that one in Poland. I hope you're gonna film that. Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna film that. We're gonna film a lot of the festivals, the Bakken Fest, and and uh, we're we're playing. I think we're on six festivals right now, and then touring in between it. And we're uh, we're gonna be doing a co-headline us and buck cherry through a lot of europe in between the festivals so that'll be cool because they're a younger band and uh you know a different demographic more or less so it's going to be cool and the, the, europe is that's how europe is different from the states is europe is accepting to um you know you could put someone like buck cherry and skid row together and people would be like cool let's go see this you know it doesn't necessarily have to be from the same era or same genre you know, we're in the States, people like to keep it neat and tidy and okay, mm-hmm. they have to be metal bands and this and that. They have to be from this era. It's a little bit different over here, but not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but it's pretty cool to, to be able to go out with and play, uh, you know, shows with bands like that, like Buck Cherry. And, you know, a few months ago we were playing with Ugly Kid Joe. So it, it's cool to be able to just bounce around from, uh, different types of bands and, and go out and tour. Definitely different, uh, genres as well. You know what I mean? Like within, as you said, like, you know, you, they keep it tidy over there, but in, in, in Europe, they seem to like their death metal with their, their classic stuff and their, which I love, man. That's what I love about that place, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. It, it's, uh, the festivals, I can't believe how diverse the lineups are on the days that we're on. You know, we're doing one of them. I think it, uh, I forget what the, which festival it is, but I think we're on with status quo. I mean, they've been around for a long, long time. And, uh, so that'd be cool. It'll be great. And, and we're also doing, uh, I believe we're going to be on Rocklahoma in the States here. And it's very, very diverse lineup. We're, it's a lot younger, uh, band the day that we're on with. So, um, it'll be cool, man. We're, we're looking forward to this year. You also played bass for Stone Sour on the House of Golden Bones. How different was it working with uh, those guys compared to the Skid Row guys? Well, you know, um, the the most obvious difference is, you know, these guys are my brothers. I've known them for years. Especially, you know, Scotty, Snake, and I have known each other. Geez, I've known Scotty for 30 years. I've known Snake for 26 and Johnny for, uh, you know, 15. So, mm. um that, that was a big difference and the type of music. And I, uh, I had met Corey and just out, out of the blue, I got a call one morning and he had said, yeah, we part ways with our bass player. Would you be interested in playing on our new record? And I just said, yeah, where and when? Cause I'm a fan. I love that band. And, yeah. um, so I'm very honored and, and, uh, really, really flattered that they thought of me. And, and, uh, you know, I flew up to, uh, 
Iowa, and they they'd give me I think 23 songs to learn, and um, so I just kind of. I left the, the CDs, the demos playing while I slept so it would creep into my head. And every day I'd just uh, go down in our rehearsal room and, and uh, play to the songs and come up with parts. And when I finally met the whole band, I mean, they were so welcoming and just so mellow and so open to ideas because I didn't know what they wanted. You know, when you have when you know how it is, it's like you have an idea in your head and you have a vision of how you want something. You don't want someone coming in and just changing everything or stepping all over parts. So I was just I, I was a little bit. Not, I don't want to say nervous, but I was a little bit hesitant to get to, you know, to change up parts too much. And, and, uh, they just said, no, dude, do what you do. That's why we asked you to come on and do this. And, uh, so I was like, okay, cool. If, it, if it's a bit much, just let me know. You're not going to hurt my feelings, you know, and that's how, how we did it. And every guy was really laid back and, and the producer, David Petrell was so cool. And, you know, it was just laid back. I mean, the studio door was open. There, there was apartments at the studio. There was a living room right off the control room. So I could hear guys watching, you know, sports out in the living room while I was cutting bass tracks. And it, it was kind of cool. At first, I thought it was going to be distracting, but it wasn't at all. It was just really cool because they'd wander in every now and then and be like, hey, can you try this and this and that? And, they'd, you know, wander back out. And it was just really chill and, and um and it made me feel really good that they they had uh, they trusted me that they trusted me to to well and um, I was really happy with my parts the guys were really happy they they had uh, they had asked me to go on tour but obviously we had Skid Row and, and um, so they got uh, uh, they got Johnny Chow I think his name is right yeah good bass player good bass player fits the band perfect so um, yes yeah, talk to Corey all the time he's a he's hilarious that dude. <laughs> Yeah, he is. He's a, he's a cool guy, man. Yeah, he's a really, really cool guy. Really down to earth. Really down to earth, dude. And he is. And I'll, I'll tell you what, those, all those guys are so incredibly talented, man. Just the ideas, like getting back to the creativity thing. It's like a lot of it was coming from a different angle, you know, uh, like a different, uh, frame of mind as far as how to approach a song because their songs have, have a lot more to it like arrangement wise and a lot of skid row songs do. So mm. I had to really push myself and it felt good. I walked away from there feeling very proud that if nothing else, even if they erased every note that I played on there, I felt really good because it, it took me to another level as a bass player. And, uh, but like I said, I dug it and, um, I, I couldn't be prouder of that. What the work that I did on that. Talking about, you know, you say you love, Stone Sour, where, you know, there are a lot of bands these days that would class Skid Row as an influence on them. Are there any bands, you know, like Stone Sour or any newer bands that return that inspiration from you? Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, not that we had any inspiration on the Foo Fighters, but the Foo Fighters, man, they're just, just a backstory to that and then how they became so successful and they just, don't write they don't make bad records and they don't play bad shows it's so damn good and every time i listen to foo fighters record i get just so pumped up and i'm like this is great this is just really great stuff um i i don't know what bands that that ever inspired off the top of my head but uh as far as new hard rock bands i, I would say the newest one i listened to was probably arch enemy and they're they were super heavy but uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know there is some. I always listen when, when I'm home. A lot of times I'll, I'll put more mellow stuff. When I'm driving, I put in heavier stuff. That's just kind of the way it's always been with me. But 
Jen Wigmore from New Zealand. She's uh, she's incredible. I just got her new album, and uh, I think it's called Wine and Gravel or Gravel and Wine, and it's incredible. It's incredible. I can't believe like she's not selling a billion records because the songs are so well written and it's just so raw and it's kind of. You just got to hit, do yourself a favor and, and just go pick up her first two records. They're just really, really good. Well, you've toured all over the world many times. Where's been your most favorite place to play so far? Man, there's a lot. I mean, not just because we're talking, but we love playing Australia because the crowds are just, they're just rock, man. They just, when they come to shows, they hold nothing back, you know, and, and that's the same with uh, the UK and like New York and, and, um, you know, a lot of places are like that. Um, it's funny how over time, how places that were the, the arm folding judge and jury that stood at the back of the room when we first came out are now like Hollywood, for instance. When we first came out, it was like, okay, cool, impressive. New York was the same way. Now those two markets are so just wide open, let loose not trying to impress anybody type of markets. And then you go to other markets were the, the let loose markets, like in, in some parts of the South in the States. And um, they're the, okay, impress me markets now. It's just so <laughs> weird, man. It, when you don't go somewhere for a while and you come back and it's completely opposite, you're just like, what the hell happened to this place in the last five years? You know, We haven't changed yet here. We're still pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we took Dead City Ruins from Melbourne on tour with us and Ugly Kid Joe in, uh, in Europe. And judging by those guys, no, Australia's not changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> we like a beer and we like to get noisy. So uh, if you bring your part, the music side, then, you know, we'll bring the rest. So That's all I could ask for. Yeah. Man. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your plans for Skid Row after this tour? Of course, you've got uh, United World Rebellion Chapter 2 coming up. But apart from that, what's, what else is coming up? Well, I mean, other than, than the recording, like uh, we start recording on Monday uh, and then touring. And this is the first time ever in our career that we started a tour outside the United States. We're starting in Tokyo. And um, that's pretty huge for us, you know, going back somewhere we haven't been in almost 20 years and um starting there uh so you know we have that and then you know just doing the same thing you know torn and torn and torn and shows are getting bigger and bigger and i think we're hitting the states in may and july and in between that we're flying back and forth to other countries so it's going to be a, a busy busy year and then after that's all done we go right back into the studio to do chapter three Oh man, that's that's awesome. Well, I, I really uh, wish you the best of luck with it, and I hope you have an absolute blast, man. We're gonna go to the track "Kings of Demolition" now. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show tonight, Rachel, and uh, we'll see you in Brisbane on April 26th at Eaton's Hill Hotel. You got it, brother. Let's throw a few beers back. All right, see ya. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. 